the TLDR News Podcast. I'm Jack Kelly and I'm joined by Rory Taylor. Hello. Ben Blissett. Hello. And Zach Michaelis. Hello. Welcome to a new episode. This is a new format. We're going to be running through a whole bunch of topics in today's episode. All of the team are going to be bringing an underreported story, which they think is really important but hasn't got the media coverage it deserves. We're going to be talking about Labour's new plans for university and student debt. Each of the team are going to be making some predictions for the weeks and months ahead. And then finally, we're going to run through our political league table, talking about the winners and losers in politics this week. First, though, let's go through your underreported stories. Ben, do you want to start? Uh, you want to talk about Nadine Dorries in the UK? Yeah, so Conservative Home is an, an outlet here that is obviously very closely linked to the Conservative Party, and yep. they published an article this week uh, outlining how Nadine Dorries could be removed. It had been sort of assumed that the only way that she could be removed is for her to resign herself. Yes. Um, because for a recall petition to occur, there needs to be some kind of sanction against her, mm-hmm. and she hasn't necessarily done anything technically wrong, she just hasn't turned up to debates. So, for reference, she's not been to a debate in about a year, no, right? Since so, Johnson left, she's just said, "Yeah, I'm done now. Exactly. Uh, she, she, she said that she was going to resign about two months ago, yeah. and she has, she's got no plans to. In fact, she'd actually said that um, she's not going to resign until she has it explained to her why she couldn't be made a peer. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, the mechanism is basically an expulsion, expulsion motion. Not many have ha- happened post-war. There's only been two. The last one that happened mm-hmm. was in 1954. But it's just interesting that a conservative-aligned and nominally Johnsonite outlet has... Uh, has put together a plan of how yeah. to evict... Nadine Dorries. Nadine Dorries. Johnsonite, yeah. yeah. Is that because they... Th- do, you, like, do you think it's because they think Nadine Dorries is not looking good? Like, that she's not presenting the toys in a good light? Potentially, yeah. But considering how closely aligned she was with Johnson and they seemed quite... Johnson focused, I think it's quite interesting yeah, that them, interesting, of yeah. all people, are coming up with plans to how to get rid of her. It should also be noted that Chris Bryant, a Labour MP, is looking at a parliamentary rule last used in 1801 to try and get rid of her, but wow. that's unlikely. People are desperate for a by-election. Yeah. They're desperate yeah. to get her out. So, oh, yeah, she might be going. That's a very interesting story. It's also such a Ben story. Yeah, You've it got is. All the parliamentary <laughs> procedures. Yeah, it's fantastic. So that's my underreported story this Amazing. week. Amazing. Speaking of by-elections... Referendums from Rory. Yes. Um, referendums in Ecuador. What's yeah, going on there? If you thought that was a Ben story, this is a Rory story. <laughs> oh, so, I love it. I love it. So Ecuador, as you all know, held a general election first round last yeah, week. Yes. Um, that's not what I'm talking about, though, because Ooh. alongside that election, um, they had a referendum on um, whether or not uh, companies should be able to exploit a national park for oil and gas and various resources. Um, it, the, so the actual motion was, um, would they ban exploitation of the national park, okay. uh, natural, national park, not natural park. Um, and that won 59% to 41. So a big majority of Ecuadorians wanted to protect the national mm. park from oil exploitation. Um, I think the interesting thing here is that quite often with, um, countries outside the Western world, there's a, there's a debate about. Uh, Western countries imposing environmental rules on other countries mm. that want to exploit their own natural resources for development. Um, and this is an example of the actual decision being put in the hands of the people yeah. and them choosing to, to protect the environment and not to exploit it for oil or gas, whatever. Sure. Um, similar thing happened in Colombia last year, I think, in the general election. The, mm. the president that was elected had pledged to um, ban new oil and gas yeah. um, licenses and that type of thing. So, so it's a bit of an interesting move towards 
green politics mm. in the region. Such a I nice think. good news story. Yeah. Yeah. Good news. yeah, I was going to yeah. say that it's part of. There's a bit of a trend, isn't there, in South America at the moment, a sort of sweeping environmentalism yeah. that's happening. Yeah, there was that. Uh, summit by Brazil where Lula invited everyone to commit to no more deforestation or I think mm-hmm. net no more yeah, deforestation sure. um, but yeah that's a great that's a, that's a lot of good story. Yeah, thank, yeah. You. Yeah. thank you yeah. Zach wrap uh, up our undercovered story section you've got something on Denmark and Azempic I've actually changed my undercover so I'm sorry oh, to apologies. scupper the format but oh. I um, the one I want to talk about was actually the passage last week of a a ship, basically a tanker carrying Ukrainian grain mm-hmm. via the Black Sea. So obviously you, Russia pulled out of the Black Sea grain deal and basically threatened to blow up any of the tankers. But what the Ukrainians have done to try and get around it is invited ships that are owned basically by companies from countries that the Russians wouldn't want to upset. So this ship is co-owned by a German company and a Chinese company. Mm-hmm. And they... Yeah, they got in there. The Russians didn't touch it. And I think it's underreported because like, it doesn't sound like big news, but it's actually this massive escalatory risk mm-hmm. because this is one of the ways you, you could imagine, you know, Russia dragging NATO, for example, into the conflict or something like that. Because if you blow up a German ship with German yeah. sailors on it, you know, that's pretty dodgy. And the thing that makes us a little bit more worrying is that there is precedent for this. And this was in the Iran-Iraq war where both Iran and Iraq were trying to like shoot down each other's t- tankers going into... Um, the Persian Gulf to try and stop the other selling its oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is that you'd, you'd think no ship would want to sail into those waters if there's a risk of getting shot down. But turns out that there were loads of ships mm-hmm. willing to do it from loads of different places. Yeah. And insurance companies, were, well, there were companies willing to insure it, albeit mm-hmm. at higher rates. So that's why I thought it's it's quite like a, it's a slightly scary story. Not as good news as worries, unfortunately. Still, go back very to Yeah. Okay, so for today's main story, we want to talk about Labour's university plans and the situation with student debt and student loans more generally. Now, Keir Starmer's had some things to say recently, which I know Ben wants to flag, but this is just a broadly prescient story at the moment. We're heading back to school at the moment. You've got universities about to intake a whole bunch of fresh students that they're going to absolutely milk money out of. And you've got the happiness and the optimism of exam season results. So... I'm curious, with that as the backdrop, what is Labour saying about their plans for future graduates and for future enrollees? And what do we think is going to be changing in the UK when it comes to tuition and universities? Well, I think it's worth saying that they have been quite clear that they're not too happy with the current system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starmer said this week that uh, if he was 18 now, he wouldn't be able to afford to go to university. Mm-hmm. Um, so. He said today, uh, so that was earlier this week that he'd said that, and they've announced today that Labour are currently having a look at uh, their new plans for universities going forward. When Starmer ran for the leadership, um, how long ago was that now? A few years ago. 2020. Yeah, Yeah, uh, in 2020, so three years ago. Uh, he said that he'd be he'd want to look at scrapping university fees. Yeah. But earlier this year, I think it was in March or um, um, April, he said that because of the current financial situation, cost of living, etc., Labour probably wouldn't be able to do that. Okay. So today they've said that now looking at it again and they're looking at specifically the more financing model. So it's probably unlikely that they're going to come out with a plan that's going to scrap tuition fees, but they are looking into ways that they can maybe make it more affordable for people. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't actually announced that plan yet, but I thought it'd be quite good maybe for us to go through some uh, you know, different models that they could, they could go through and why the uh, university system is the way that it is in the UK. Mm. Yeah. I don't want to be too catty about it. This is a pretty classic Labour move, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To be like, yes. oh, we don't know the current system, but we haven't got any new well, ideas yet. <laughs> to be fair, talking about catty, the Education Secretary... Um, 
Gillian Keegan, Keegan yes, uh, said in response to Starmer saying he wouldn't be able to afford to go to university that he doesn't need to worry because I've been working on a degree apprenticeship route for lots and lots of different occupations, and one of those now includes being a lawyer. So mm, she's got she's sort He's of an absolutely lawyer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. British politics is so fucking boring. <laughs> it's just appalling. Yeah. yeah. Um, she also added that they've got like £276 million in the Student Hardship Fund, which she was very keen when she was universities minister in COVID to point out that, no, we're not doing any um, specific funding for or, or help for each individual student. We've got money in the Student Hardship Fund, but that is only eligible to people in very yeah. hard situations, okay. people in low-income backgrounds, people suffering from bereavement, disability, etc. Um, so it's not really that much of a... Of a so Labour have said they want to do something, no yes. solid plans. Labour say they don't like the current system, which is fairly uncontentious. I'm not sure many people love it, especially people who are paying into it. Um, and Conservatives have the weakest of all burns I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. What, what could be done? Even hypothetically, what, what thoughts do we have on what could change that could improve the system that people will be happy with? One of the um, the most common things that gets brought up by a lot of people, and I don't know how it plays in the Labour Party, is just changing it to a graduate tax, mm-hmm. which in a way would be a sort of a rebranding exercise. Yeah. But I mean, it's slightly more than that, but um, graduates effectively pay a graduate tax now anyway, but it's mm-hmm. just paying off their loans over however many years. Um, so that would be an option, um, but... Uh, you know, the risk with that is that you've got the people, I mean, whatever they do, it's mm-hmm. going to have to change at a certain point and yeah. it will affect those people starting beyond that point and all the people before then have to stick with what they've got, mm-hmm. you know, people like us, yeah. and they're not going to change the system for us. But that's all applies to any new policy, yeah, exactly. Like, there's yeah. always going to be like a sense of unfairness. It's yeah. like when they introduce tuition fees, like there's this massive sense of unfairness. Yeah. Because yeah. It's like, oh, look, my parents got it for free and now I've got to pay. But like, Even just one or two year groups. Like, yeah. it was so sudden that it's a case of, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I suppose we are, I mean, if say there were to, they're not going to, but say they were to end tuition fees now and just make it free again, we would be a particularly unhelpfully small cohort of people <laughs> who are like, we were like in that few years where you got totally yeah. screwed. But yeah, the you're bitterest. right. You're always mm. going to have some kind of... Yeah, I was going to say on the, the graduate tax, there's a really interesting one because I don't know what the specifics are. And I don't think there really are any specifics when people talk about mm. it. But like, I think... Is if you don't want to move back to like a general taxation thing where the state just pays for it and it's you know, just funded with income tax or whatever, then and you want to basically still somehow like basically place the burden on graduates instead of the general population, there are better ways of doing it in the current system because one of the things that's so contentious about the current system is because of the way the interest rates are calculated. Like you do end up paying more if you're basically not that well off mm-hmm. than if you're if you can either pay it off in one chunk or you go straight into a really high paying job. Yeah, yeah. So there's like. You can the, basically the, the big like headline here is like if you're a teacher, for example, because the interest keeps going up over 30 years and like according to like average salaries, you'll eventually pay it off in 30 years time. But you'll pay up this like massive amount that's being compounded by interest over yeah. time. Mm. Whereas if you just like go bang straight into like a law job or something yeah. really well paid, you're a banker or whatever. Um, then you pay it off in a couple of years, quite nice and quick. Mm-hmm. And you haven't had to pay off that massive compound interest. And because that interest is above inflation, like it is a real like increase. Mm. You see what yeah. I mean? Um, but yeah, so I think that's the, that, that is an interesting thing. I think there is a clever way of doing it. And I, mean, I do think that most like people do feel there's something slightly unfair about paying it out of general taxation. Yeah. Cause you know, like you just get back into that whole, like, why should the person who didn't go to uni 
subsidize yeah. all those graduates with their better paid jobs doing their fluffy degrees. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have looked at your student loans recently, but um, I, I can't, I think the last time I checked, I hadn't even paid off the interest accumulated since I left. Yeah. I don't think you would have done. I think it's, yeah. Especially over the last year with interest being so high, you're paying 9% of your salary, but it, like yeah. your loan is also going up by about the same percent. So yeah. even if you are on a high set, I mean, not like, Hundreds of thousands, but if you're on even like I don't know high tens of thousands, you looked at me. I just want to be clear: I'm not on hundreds of thousands. Oh no, I wasn't looking. I know what you're on. Yeah, we yeah, all do. I know, yeah. No one, no one whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think no matter kind of where you are at the moment, everyone is going up. But you're right. Like the average person, I mean, what's the average salary in the UK? Like thirty-two thousand pounds, somewhere around there. Slightly more, but yeah. Even still. Yeah. It's a case of like that, those people, as you say, they may pay it off at some point, but if they do, most of what they're paying off is interest. And as you yeah. say, if it's a tax, then that applies for it's the entire time span to mm. everyone, yeah. irrespective of how long it took them to pay it off. Yeah. Yeah. But if they, if they didn't switch to a graduate tax and kept it as some kind of loan, you know, even just changing the rules on, on the interest rate would, would ease the burden on quite a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that feels like too small a change considering what they're talking about they're implying that it's going to be quite a, quite a major overhaul and you're right it gets messy anyway like this whole situation as zach said is kind of messy regardless because if they were to implement a grad tax what happens to the people who have already paid off all or huge parts of their loans are they then paying less because you can't like it'd be crazy if you paid off your whole 50 grand or whatever yeah. and then you were starting to pay a grad tax again versus the people who hadn't but then, like, there's, as you say, it's so grey yeah. and it's so difficult to play with because it does feel so emotive almost. Like, you're, this is a huge amount of debt that young people are saddled with that they feel kind of was outside of their control. Sure, they made a decision when they were 18, but, like, were they that informed? Yeah, Did they know what they were doing? Like, it's so emotive. That's exactly right. There is, like, I didn't think about this until you just mentioned it, but there is, like, an intergenerational unfairness mm -hmm. thing here as well. And I think you're right. That makes it, like, even more emotive. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because the decisions are being made by people who were never affected by it. Yeah. Like in 20 years time, when someone who paid a student loan is potentially in power of it, yeah. maybe it will feel less weird. And there's a sense that you like, you've been lied to by the government if you're a young person, because mm. you get sold when you go like, oh, like, you know, you get sold by the government, especially like the Blair government and stuff like, oh, the importance of university, la, da, da. Mm. You sign up for university course, a couple of years later, they're like, oh, you, you know, turns out there aren't that many grad jobs available. Yeah. And you've got to be paying this off for ages and you just feel a little bit conned. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, I mean, as you say, there's a line there of you don't want everyone, like the general public paying for people to do degrees is obviously, the individual is benefiting from their degree, but equally so is society at large. And it's like, you've tricked me into doing this degree that I'm now having to pay off a huge amount on that's yeah. escalating. And I mean, everyone is kind of benefiting from me doing it. I mean, it depends yeah. on the degree. That is a topic that Ben is passionate about separately around kind of different levels of degree validity and the kind of discussion around that. But let's not get into it's that. It's not validity. No, it's just to do get, with... Can we get into that? That's quite a good topic. I think like, because we're now... Just to try and like clean this up a little sure. bit, is that all right? Clean so I up. think there are sort of like vaguely, at least from like po the political class's perspective, there are sort of four issues, as it were, with higher education at the moment. The first is the funding thing, like how to fund it fairly, whatever. <laughs> whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, the second is, and I think you saw more of this under Jeremy Corbyn, is like the fact that we don't have much upskilling slash adult mm -hmm. education. So Corbyn was suggesting the National Education Service, which was this whole sort of like new program where people who like lost their jobs could to AI or whatever could go reskill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other two are to do with like the topics that are chosen. So 
especially the conservatives think that we don't do enough stem yeah we should essentially be more like china and just be pumping out science grads mm. um and then there's also this other thing about apprenticeships yeah yeah which is like we should be more like germany yeah mm -hmm. we should be getting people to do like manual labor this ties into the whole immigration thing as well because it's yeah. about like so we'd have to rely on european immigrants for example we can have our own like british sure. bricklayers or plumbers or whatever um and so those i think are like the sort of like four issues and i mean i was just trying to tidy things up here yeah <laughs> we can talk about each of them individually i think we talked about the funding one yeah let's leave the agile education for now yeah and then should you want to talk a little bit about the sort of stem grad thing like why yeah i mean I think you're probably better placed to discuss the STEM grad thing. But I thought that's what you're passionate about. No, well, I, yeah, no, I think my point just there is that I kind of agree with the government on the fact that people have been, and, and what Jack was saying largely, that people have been sold on this idea that you need a degree to be able to get into the adult workforce. And I think they are just sometimes too specific and they're too, um, you, a lot of people get a, a degree in, say, I don't know, geography, and then end up going and doing an office job. And the, the skills that you mm -hmm. get Aren't, aren't transferable. So things like apprenticeships, the Germany model that you've just outlined, I think that's a, 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 a sort of noble pursuit of the, by the government to try and push people into doing that. I think it's more applicable in the workforce today. I think it's, it's the skills that employers are looking for more. I mean, you know, I'm very lucky that some of the stuff that I did at uni is still valid here, but I would argue that even then it's not you know, I did a lot of theory stuff that I don't, I don't yeah. do here. Like but even in a that, job that is so specific, there's a lot of stuff that I did at uni that I won't use. But I think, I mean, using the geography example, you know, there there are skills. Whatever job someone goes into, sure. there are transferable skills. And I, also, it, yeah. I like to, well, I, I'd like to imagine the, you know, the higher education system being not just about the employability skills, but round, you know, making people more rounded. Yeah. And I think there is value in just educating people. I, I um, beyond. I, jobs i don't in yeah. any way disagree yeah. that there are skills that are mm. certainly transferable i'm just saying that there are probably ways of increasing the amount mm -hmm. of transferable skills you know skills that you learn in job, you know essay writing etc i'm sure you will use in the office but i'm just saying that there are probably apprenticeship schemes that will will have even more um, yeah, applicable but then learning i think going and doing a degree where if you're not sure about the exact job you're going to go into um you're better off going and doing a degree in a subject that you're interested in rather than taking an apprenticeship leading into a job yeah you might but that's not, not how it's sold i didn't that's no, true yeah i think I a lot of people when they go like i did a philosophy degree i did mm. not expect to become a philosopher no you know? sure and i knew that going into it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a laughable notion isn't it? um but i do take your point about the like i think i think i think this is difficult because i think there is a strong intuition that the conservatives and apparently you have that actually people should be doing more vocational stuff mm -hmm. yeah like a lot of higher education doesn't sort of like meme caricature that a lot of conservatives have when they talk about like you know people doing gender studies and, yeah, yeah you know what happens after that of course you're not going to get a job of course you're going to be burdened with debt um but i think this is slightly like there's a cultural issue in that we've now had at least a couple of generations where well, maybe, maybe let's just say one generation where the majority has been university educated mm -hmm. and it's really hard to convince people to move back, as it were, yeah. to like apprenticeship jobs. And I think you see that. I think we've got a really good example of this, by the way, after Brexit and COVID and the truck driver thing. Remember the truck driver yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truck drivers, and they, we, a whole lot of chat in especially like right wing circles about how like, oh, we can get all the young people to become truck drivers. Yeah. Look, at these, look at these salaries. And just like unsurprisingly, people are like, I don't want to be a truck driver. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not of that generation. Like, I've, you know, you're, 
you're raised in what you like sort of consider to be one of like the wealthiest countries in the world. And it's just not the future you imagine. Yeah. Like, I'm not placing a value judgment on like those various jobs. It's just not what people imagine. And sure. so there is this like very difficult thing of like, how do you sort of like shift the culture to mm-hmm. make young people, especially young Brits, like keen mm-hmm. on apprenticeship stuff. Like it's like the thing about like bricklayers as well. Bricklayers are paid like 100k a year because there's no bricklayers. Yeah. And but still not enough. You know, still people still prefer to take a stupid philosophy degree <laughs> yeah. than go and become yeah. A bricklayer. Yeah. I think also this maybe this is anecdotal, but like the the people who tend to say less people should go to university, pe- you know, young people should explore these other things, they tend to be parents who who when they think about their own children their children should go to university they're yes. always talking about other people's yeah. children yeah yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> the idiots yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. that's the that's the vibe idiots. you kind of get when you see it written in a like a newspaper yeah. opinion it's a piece fair point. but, but uh, as you've already said there is a, a desire in society to have people who are bricklayers truck drivers etc but i'd say that the, the roots in, in order to, to become those things don't seem as sort of well-trodden, as, as well-fleshed out as the university route. So I think it's right for the government to try and come out with apprenticeship schemes that make uh, getting into those... And I think that's the no, first no, I, step I, into I making that... So that. I, I agree with you there. I think that if you if you think that we should be, like, train up our own bricklayers, etc., then I agree with you, like, the government should make it easier. But my point is that it's not just, like, you can't... It's oh, not, it's, not, it's, not that, it's not as simple, exactly. but that's the first step. The only thing I would say that I think is interesting, I think, like, it's... It's it, when you, I think this whole chat when you talk about like sort of like vocational and non vocational degrees, it's actually like a, an oversimplification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that one of the things that does seem to be happening quite naturally is people are moving, then moving away from like what you might call like non vocational, like humanities degrees. Yeah. They are moving towards vocational degrees, but they're not moving towards like, you know, like bricklaying or mm-hmm. those sort of apprenticeships. They're moving towards STEM. Yeah. Because it just does promise better money. Yeah. Um, and I think that is really interesting. That's happening naturally. The government wants mm. it to happen, but it's also happening naturally. Yeah. And I've got some stats here. So in, in 1961, which is when, you've, if you've got to imagine though, in 1961, not many people are going to uni. Yeah. And they're going to like big, grand Oxford, Cambridge, mm-hmm. you know, UCL, that sort of thing. And 28% of people were doing humanities. And then in the 2000s, that basically halved to more okay. like sort of 15%. And today it's basically halved again. And it's about mm. 8%. And people are shifting more and more over to STEM. So I think there is this sort of like collective understanding that maybe humanities degrees don't pay that well. Yeah. You know, people are sort of realizing that like student loans aren't free money. And yes. That you do need to pay it when off. When you're paying, the calculus suddenly becomes a lot different. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, there is, there is, people are moving away, but like, I think the government has to be a little bit more specific when it's thinking about how to redirect people's, um, like, education and training. Do you see what I mean? Okay. Like, sure. To wrap up then, I'm curious, um, Zach kind of highlighted some key buckets of attention. I'm curious if you were in number 10, which one are you putting your attention on? And to give you the options of a national education service, pushing people towards STEM, kind of the vocational bricklaying apprenticeship kind of training, or would you leave the system kind of as it is and keep focus on degrees? Rory? Oh, God. Massive <laughs> question. That's a huge question. <laughs> it's only I mean, one word answer, one word answer. They're also not mutually exclusive. They are, yeah. they are. You're going to pick one. I mean, the temptation of uh, doing nothing and kind of running away is, is very high. But I think out of those, I like the vibe of a national education service more. It's fun. You know, lifelong education. I Absolutely. like that. I think yeah. there needs to be more focus on apprenticeships. Just to make it nice and even, I'm going to go STEM. Lovely. Yeah. Well, let us know in the comments of the video if you're watching on YouTube which one you would do. And also tweet us. This is why you host, by the way. You've got this pinned down. <laughs> I mean, it's less good when you interrupt my, <laughs> my feel, but thank you. I appreciate the compliment, nonetheless. Um, or you can tweet us to let us know which one you think is your prepared. 
Or oh. you can tweet us to let us know which one is your preferred option. Keep it in. Don't keep it in. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so next up. Previously in podcasts, we focused a lot on what's happened in the past few days, in the week ahead, that kind of thing. So in this new iteration of the TLDR News podcast, we're going to make sure that every week we do predictions that are looking forward. Now, some of these predictions will be relatively short term. Some of them might be much longer term. Some might be specific. Some might be vaguer. But the idea is this should give you an idea of where we're thinking and where we're looking, which means that when you're watching the news and when you're watching our content, you kind of know what we're keeping an eye out for and what we're expecting to happen. Also, it allows us to have some amazing gotchas in the future yeah. when Zach says that Taiwan is going to take over China and that doesn't happen. So, Zach, let's start with you. What is your prediction? What are you keeping an eye on? So, I'm, this is really boring, but like, I have my whole prediction thing here and it's mm. about like Mali, but I think it'd be more fun to try and do. I'm going to oh, try and do You're it. swapping it. I'm swapping it out. I'm doing it on the fly. You're doing it on the fly. Because well, yeah. I think it'd be more fun to do a prediction that's related Improv. to what we just talked about. Okay, go on. Okay, so what yeah. I'm going to try and predict Labour's policy. Ooh. I'm doing the same thing. Oh, nice. I actually well, saw I that. feel like <laughs> I So I think you're going to get... Um, that. I think the only fiddle they're going to do with, like, um, what's it called? Uh, fees? Yeah. Are, you, are you nicking my... No, exactly. no, no. The only fiddle they're going to so funny do if you read it verbatim on Ben's piece of paper. as well. <laughs> They're going to fiddle with the edges of truth. <laughs> I think they're going to basically cut down the maximum repayment time. That's okay. all they're going to do. And then I think the other thing they're going to do, though, is announce some sort of like adult education service. Not okay. a whole like national education service. It's going to be more like invest a little bit in upskilling or sure. something like that. Mm. I, mine What's isn't... your prediction? Weirdly similar, I imagine. Weirdly similar, yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, I, don't, I don't think they're actually going to do anything substantial as well. I think they're going to sort of tinker a little bit. Okay. Uh, I think they're going to just change the threshold. So I think they might uh, increase the threshold at which you start making repayments. Okay. So it's 27 grand at the minute. I think they'll just bump that up to near a 30. I actually think that's even better than mine. To be um, fair. So no, no substantial change. Yeah. Um, Are you well, making a prediction about this or something a, different? I'll, I'll give it a go. go um, I would guess that they're going to do something about interest rates and also possibly turn the maintenance loan uh, into some kind of means-tested grant, grant possibly. Yeah, that's a that's great another bet. good, yeah. yeah, yeah means-tested yeah. is very labor. Starmer labour, I think. Yeah. So I, that's what I would think okay. they would do. In the spirit of kind of what we're keeping an eye on more broadly, do you want to do your own I'll do, I'll do my own one, to... sure. Um, it's very unrelated, um, but the BRICS summit is going on at the moment. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa... Um, there was talk. There's always talk about are they going to rival the G7? Is it going to be the new kind of anti-US bloc? My prediction is that they aren't going to rival the G7. They're just going to keep being kind of irrelevant compared to it. Kind um, of irrelevant. But that's like a year long. Like how do this you is, measure that well, prediction? Basically, that's safe, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a prediction that something won't happen. So until it does happen. Well, can I press you? You're then? right. Yeah. Sure. So do you think they'll expand? Because a load of countries have applied to join. So well, like 28 countries have applied to join. Do you think, think they'll expand? The Maybe Chinese say yes. The yeah, say but no. then and Brazil kind of only wants Argentina to join, I think. <laughs> but um, so I think they might might expand in a very tiny way, but they're not going to expand massively. Okay. I think they'll get at best observer status for the other ones. I yeah. think BRICS is too clean to give up it's on that. Can't add too many letters. Actually, maybe get rid of South Africa, bring someone get else. Get Kazakhstan in. in, and you've got yeah. As I was saying, you need a K. Proper. That's good. Yeah. Who who would you replace South Africa for for your S? Well, just, if you're just it's thinking about like sort of actually becoming a geopolitical equivalent to it's the G7, it doesn't have to be an it S. It has to be an S. <laughs> it can't be an S. Yeah, I mean, Arge Singapore. Argentina is better just mm. because it is a bigger economy. Bricker, uh, though. Bricker. Oh, God. That's not bad, is it? Was, I thought yeah. it was kind of, you know, because yeah, you've got okay, a lot of okay. South America in it's there. It's problematic, yeah. for sure. It's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I just think that at the moment, if one of the things that almost holds BRICS back and all of their sort of quite ambitious aspirations for stuff like a common currency mm. is South Africa. Like, yeah. you wouldn't mm. want to form a common currency union with South Africa at the moment because okay. South Africa's economy is a complete basket case. I mean, not that Argentina's is loads better. Sure. But like, I feel like if they really want to become a sort of geopolitical equivalent to the G7, then they probably have to start freaking yeah. things yeah. up a little bit. Although, that being said, good to have African representation in sure. your geopolitical. Yeah. Do you want to make balance. your other prediction too while we're at it? I the one. <laughs> no, you start. You're the originator, Ben. Don't worry. Do you um, want to do your original one too? Sorry, this is, that's just so. It's just not related to anything we've talked about. The thing I think about is I think that basically I can't see the Malian Hunter lasting much longer, or Wagner for that matter. Uh, a couple of reasons. You I can't think, see Wagner lasting much longer. Uh, not really. In, not in, I don't, in, in Mali or just They're not going to be like wiped out. It's okay. more like I don't think that African governments will continue to contract Wagner, Wagner okay. for very often. I think for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, Wagner don't have much direct support probably from the Kremlin. No one yeah. really knows, but very unlikely that they do. Um, but I think more importantly is that the situation in Mali is deteriorating really quite rapidly. And there was very little reason to think that Wagner could succeed where France and the UN mm -hmm. had failed. Um, but the local Al-Qaeda affiliate in Mali, who are called the JNIM, have just started a siege of Timbuktu, which is mm -hmm. a city in Mali. And yesterday there were reports that the Malians, Malian state and Wagner had started a, basically a, like a small-scale conflict slash war with the CMA, which is this coalition. We've done a video on this, by the way, mm -hmm. of Tuareg and Arab nationalists. So within Mali, there's this whole sort of like battle between the north, the Tuaregs in the north, and sometimes the Arabs in the north, with like um, basically the, the southerners. Okay. And they seem to have restarted that conflict. And that's like a long-standing, low-intensity conflict. But the fact that if that restarts, it's very hard to see how the Malian state or the Malian hunter and Wagner together have the resources combined to, fund, to fight wars on essentially two, mm. uh, probably three fronts. Yeah. You're fighting Al-Qaeda in Timbuktu. Mm -hmm. You're fighting the Tuareg nationalists, which is the Azawad movement basically yeah. in the sort of center in the north. And then you're also fighting the more sort of general ISIS affiliates who are causing chaos throughout the whole region. And... I think that, that this all bodes quite badly for Wagner. And I think that they've basically got away with not having to do very much for a while. But mm -hmm. the second something serious happens, that what happened in 2012, when basically, I think it was ISIS or Al-Qaeda, started a march on, um, what's the capital called? Is it Bakambe? Bamako. Bamako. Yeah. Um, and the French had to intervene very rapidly. I think that's when Wagner's credibility goes. Okay. Sorry. So you can play. No, no, it's, it's good. good yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll take note of all of the predictions and in a few weeks, few months, few when years. When Bricks is covering the whole <laughs> world, I'm going to look foolish. We'll come back and see whether those predictions were right. Okay. And for the final part of the show, we're doing a brand new thing, the TLDR Political League table. We don't have a title for it. That's good though, right? Yeah, that's good. Works. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Each week, um, each of the contributors on the show is going to bring one world leader who they think has had a good week and someone they think has had a bad week, and they will be placed on our league table behind us. Whoa. If you're listening, just imagine a very highly produced, yeah. beautiful board, and it's got six sections. So the top three are all people who are doing well, the bottom three are all people doing badly. So when new people are added to the board, they'll be put in one of the two middle sections. So either they'll be slightly good or slightly bad. 
So today, because no one's on the board yet, everyone is going to be going in one of those sections. In future weeks, you can bring new people and add them to the board, or you can shuffle one space someone already on the board. So say someone is on the third row down, which is slightly good, and you think they've had a good week, you can then move them up a tier to the properly good tier. And then next week, they could be moved up to the great tier. Mm. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect sense. Let's start with our winners of the week, and let's start with Ben. Yeah, so this is actually the winner of today as well because Whoa. it's the uh, the Indians have uh, done a moon landing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've tried to land uh, a craft at the South Pole okay. of the moon, and they were successful in in landing, which makes them the, only the fourth country to have landed on the moon and the first country to land at the South. Uh, South Pole. Huge news, especially so, for a country not traditionally thought of for space exploration in the same way as many others. And considering that Russia tried it this week and failed, and failed. completely face planted into the moon, it was it was an absolute failure. Uh, so Narendra <laughs> Modi, uh, Narendra Modi yeah. is your winner of the week. The winner of the week. Chuck yeah. him on the board. So wow. he's going. Uh, he's going there. Right there. This Love might it. be pointing out the obvious, but. In case people didn't know, there weren't any people on those. No, those there weren't. No, 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 there weren't. He wasn't, he's not on the moon. No, no he's not on the moon <laughs> either, no. If he were, I'd be allowed yeah. to go up. So yeah. high level analysis people are dying for. <laughs> yeah. uh, Zach, who's your winner of the week? So my Joining Modi in that the tier. Week. Let me make sure I've got the right guy. This looks like his face. There we go. Is Joe Biden. Uh, wow. do this first. Pass it along to Ben. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I can do it. My winner of the week is Joe Biden. And it's specifically because I don't think he's having a great time domestically, but he has just negotiated or done his bit in negotiating a sort of uh, almost a peace agreement a, mm-hmm. um, what's the right word Rory for the deal that's been the done the Japan South Korea yeah, yeah. one I don't know what the right word is it's well, an alliance that's not quite an alliance but it's sort of like resumption of normal yeah. diplomatic ties yeah, yeah. Okay. between Japan and South Korea who have long standing disputes about the treatment I think of South Koreans mm-hmm. by the Japanese yeah. after World War II um, and this is part of this sort of like growing web of um, sort of anti-China US-led alliances mm-hmm. in the Asia Pacific. This is a massive one because these are like the two staunchest US allies, staunch- yeah. staunchest Western allies in the region. Um, and the fact they never really quite got on has always been like a bit of a point of tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they're now both on the same side or, you know, they, you know what I mean, Yeah, yeah. Um, is just great news from the US's geopolitical perspective. Amazing. Rory, your winner of the week? My winner of the week is Pedro Sanchez, Spanish Prime Minister. Get him on the board. (laughs) Get him on the board. There we go. Very very geezer there for a second. Get him on the board. All right. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, Pedro Sanchez, basically his chances of remaining uh, Spanish Prime Minister are slightly higher um, a couple of, last month or the month before, Spain had an election that was widely expected the Conservatives to take power mm-hmm. in alliance with the far right. Um, the Conservative Party did win. They became the largest party, but didn't manage to get a majority within with their alliance. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's evenly split between Sanchez's kind of left-wing bloc and the Conservative bloc. Um, so, you know, kind of could go either way. Mm-hmm. However, last week, uh, in the vote to uh, elect a parliamentary speaker, the um, socialist candidate... Uh, one over the Conservative candidate, mm-hmm. and that's because the hardline Junts, Junts party, Catalan nationalists, um, backed Sanchez's pick for Speaker. Okay. So kind of gave control of the Parliament to the Socialists, to Sanchez, um, while the Conservatives kind of 
flopped effectively. Mm. Even Vox didn't didn't vote for them. Did they win a majority? Did he get a majority of votes? Or just yeah, they got a majority in, okay. in the vote for the speaker. It doesn't mean they'll make him prime minister, but um, it does suggest the momentum is with Sanchez and the socialists, even okay. if it does go to a second election. There's been some polling as well recently suggesting that he's now re-established his yeah. lead over he's the conservatives. Bit of a survivor. Yeah, Interesting. He, is. he is. Opposite of survivors. Let's move to losers of the week. Uh, ben, who's your loser of the week? Uh, mine is Ron DeSantis, um, because this week, obviously, Trump's got himself back in the news. He's not going to be taking part in the debate this week, and it's been suggested he probably won't take it, um, part in any of the uh, mm. Republican primary debates. Also, he's going to be arrested tomorrow, which you would assume would help Trump other candidates. Uh, yeah, Trump is. Yeah. Um, would assume, uh, you'd assume that it would help the other candidates, but it probably won't. It's got him back in the news cycle, mm-hmm. reinvigorates his base, etc. So, yeah, Ron DeSantis. Old Ronnie oh, Sanchez. Okay. I also think more personally, arguably, is the fact that he's been overtaken by Vivek Ramaswamy. Yes. I hope I'm pronouncing mm, that yes. right. In quite a few primary polls. Sure. Um, and his numbers have just been cratering. And it's what happens, again, I, I wish we had the Americans on here, our American countries, because they know so much about yeah. this. Um, but at this stage in the, the the race, it's all about momentum. Yeah. And the fact that he's flagging... Ron's um, not got it. It's, it's, it's almost definitely the end. Mm. Yeah. It means you get less donations and then people stop paying your attention and very quickly you're... Yeah. You're done. Not great. Yeah. Who's your loser it's of the week? A good week. My loser of the week, Ben, please, is... Oh, Vladimir Putin. Vladimir oh, Putin. no. And it's what because, a surprise. Yeah, it's in part because of what Ben mentioned about the spacecraft. What do you say? It flopped? Totally flopped? Faceplant. 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 Yeah. Faceplant. I didn't know they had faces, but yeah. <laughs> and then I, it's also... Well, I had another reason why he was doing badly. Oh, BRICS. It's the fact oh. that he can't be in South Africa yeah. because the South mm. African court ruled that they would have to arrest them. It was a big legal dilemma. Mm. Um, and that's not great for him because I think this was sort of, in his mind, like his opportunity to present himself as sort of like the alternative to like the hypocritical West. Yeah. And I think it actually makes quite a big difference because I think his inability to set the direction of BRICS means that BRICS will probably move in a slightly more neutral direction. Mm. And I think instead of BRICS sort of seeing itself as possibly like the counterbalance to the West, it's going to sort of move towards more what Brazil imagines BRICS to be, which is like a third pole yes. in this, or some of BRICS is like a third pole in a you know, big sort of geopolitical struggle that's going mm. on between like Russia and the US. I know that we can't move anybody around at the minute, but the fact that Ron DeSantis and Putin <laughs> are in the same category <laughs> Putin can go down minute. next yeah. week. Just wait and see who I'm going to add to that category. Uh, go for it, Rory. Uh, feels a lot lower stakes than the other ones, but I'm going to add... His Royal Highness, Prince of Wales, <laughs> yes. Prince William. Get him on the board. <laughs> that is actually a really good one, to be fair. Yeah, I know where this is so going. He... Oh, we should so get into royal news, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the so we have all of the royals Prince, on the board by next week. Prince William, uh, he's president of the Football Association, and he didn't travel to Australia for the final of the mm-hmm. Women's World Cup, um, in which England uh, played and, and lost, but... There was, he was criticised for not making that journey. A lot of people saying he obviously would have gone had it been the men's team in the mm-hmm. final, which I think is probably a fair comment. Did you mention yeah. he's like president of the FA? Or yeah, 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 he is. Yeah. So it's kind of his job as well. Yeah. Um, but he, he made the classic uh, video of saying, you know, come on the lionesses. He had his daughter with him. Of course and he did. There's a, every, every male politician leader type mm-hmm. person seems to be saying, um, as the father of a daughter, you know, mm. I know how much the lionesses are inspiring people. So he did the classic thing, but... Didn't didn't really win people over with with his failure oh, to go, no. but he'll he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll he also be got criticised. Didn't he say something like, He's um, "You <laughs> should go out tomorrow and enjoy yourselves." Or something oh, yeah. in a statement, which also got yeah. criticism. Um, 
Yeah, he would just have said that to the men's yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's down there with he's uh, down there with Putin. And Putin. Well, let us know who you would add to the wall. Who are your winners and losers of the week? Make sure to post them in the comments. Make sure to tweet them at us. And next week we might discuss if there's an overwhelming figure that's come out from the audience. We might discuss that. Yeah. They might even end up on the wall. So it's, let it's, us know who your nominees are. There is something so funny about seeing Prince William next to Putin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the joy of the league table. We, I can't. I'm definitely going to have to do a royal one next time. That's great. It's, it's really a really good, good, really good one, Roy. I've got to say, you. yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens next week. We'll see what happens next on the leaderboard. And obviously, if any of your predictions come true, before we join you next time for the TLR News Podcast. Bye.